This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. We are right in the middle of a series we call God of the Second Chance or God of Second Chances. And the reason that we're zeroing in on the story of Jonah is I, I think that many of us, when we just get down to it, we can identify with Jonah. And we can identify with the way that he reacts to the voice of God and we can ultimately identify with the way that God is gracious and generous uh, with him. Uh, we will be in the series for one more week. So it's a three-week series. first week was last week. If you missed it, it's on website it's on iTunes um, then we're going to do a three-week series on worship called this beautiful noise um, I'm very excited about that because as a church we've really dedicated ourselves to make sure that we from the very beginning provided a very worshipful experience on Sunday and so we're going to uh, play with the the services have some fun with it but really kind of get down to the heart of what worship is all about for those next three weeks, and then that takes us up to July. Can y'all believe we're that close to July already? I mean, we really are just one month beginning June today, and so um, one month away from July, and if you were here last July, you may have a small taste of the glory of God that's going to be here in this July. (laughs) Uh, We do a special series each July called At the Movies, and uh, what we do is we feature films that are out in theaters, and we uh, actually teach and, and preach from those and uh, use those as a catalyst to being able to share. Uh, it's maybe the best series we do all year long. Uh, we have a ton of fun. We make it, uh, we make it really enjoyable and, and life-giving. So that's coming up. wanted to let you know about that. Now, y'all know that we got some different ways that we go about living around here, right? So when we're driving down the street, and we meet someone in Stanley County. There's an unwritten rule. You're supposed to wave at them. Y'all don't know if y'all know that yet. If you're just learning to drive, you got to really ingrain that in yourself because we wave at folks on the highway. Now, there's a few other things that maybe you, you've picked up on if you're new to the areas that during a funeral, right, we around here, we don't do that everywhere else in the country, but around here we pull off on the side of the road to honor the dead as they're being uh, taken to the resting place. We do that. There are very few places left in our country that do that. You know, there's some different cultural characteristics in every place that you live. And one of the things that I heard about recently was up north, during the winter, it's extremely common if you see a a car on the side of the road to pull over and check on that car. Now, we just drive past it, but they just pull over and check. And the reason is it gets so cold at night. If there was somebody stranded there, they want to check and see. It's actually pretty routine for law enforcement as they're traveling around on patrol. If they see a car, they will stop and check it. And a state trooper in one of our northern states shared a story not too long ago. I think it's hilarious. I want to share it with you. He was uh, on patrol during one of those evenings, and uh, he, he spotted a car that was uh, buried uh, front first into a, a snowbank. And um, he pulled off on the side of the road and got his flashlight, went out and shined it in the back seat. There was nobody in the back seat. But as he looked into the driver's seat, there was an old man that was slumped over. And he 
checked the passenger seat. There was an empty bottle of vodka <laughs> in, the, in the passenger seat. He said, I think I got it figured out what was going on here. So he took his flashlight and tapped on the window. And the guy woke up real startled. And he thought, I guess, I can outrun this guy. So he crunked the car up real quick, nailed the gas, but he was stuck in the snow. And so the wheels started turning, and the wheels were going fast and fast and fast. And the state trooper was reading the speedometer as it got up to about 20, and he decided, I'm going to have some fun with this cat. So he started acting like he was running beside him, looking in the, weir- in the, in, in the, in the, in the sky, looking at him going, freaking out. And so he nails it. And he sees the speedometer race up. His, the speedometer's registering like 50, 60 miles an hour. And he's just faking it like he's running right next to him. He starts yelling, pull over, pull over. Finally, the guy, you know, acquiesces and pulls the car over as he imagines. And the guy gets him out of the car. And, you know, I think that story That place is where we find Jonah and maybe where a lot of us are found. We think that we're running from God. We think that God has told us to do something. We think that we are in such control of our lives. Look at me. I know God, I know you want me to do that, but I'm going to run away from it. Because that's where we find Jonah. As the story began last week, we looked at a prophet, a man of God that had been used by God, who has now been spoke to by God and given a brand new mission. He has a mission from God. We can call him a blues brother, right? He is supposed to be on a mission from God, but he has ran away from that mission and went to do his own thing. Instead of humbly looking at the voice of God, Listening and hearing it and responding it. Jonas decided to do whatever he has determined is best. And next week we're going to get into some of the reasons that are there behind the scenes that Jonah would have been running. But today we're just going to focus on Jonah himself. Just going to focus on Jonah. I want to tell you something about Jonah running that I think we can all identify with. And it's this, that whenever it gets tough, we'll run to our supreme God. Whenever life gets tough, we will run to our supreme God, whatever your supreme God is. If times get tough and you go to your hubby before you go to Jesus, question mark there. If times get tough and you have to talk to your best friend before you'll ever feel good again, right, question mark there. Who's really supreme God? Because when times get tough, we will run to whatever the supreme God is in our life, whatever the greatest voice is in our life. We will run to that. And we see Jonah not running to God, but running away from God. Let's revisit that map. I want you to see this. Right, over here as the Mediterranean Sea encloses itself, right in the middle of that is Israel. Right, so that's where Jonah would have been when he heard the voice of God. North of that is Nineveh. South of that is the port city of Joppa. That is where Jonah goes. And he buys a ticket when he gets to Joppa. 
Not only does he run the opposite direction, he decides he wants to go to Tarshish, which is way over here at the gate to the Mediterranean Sea. He's not only going the opposite direction, he's trying to get as far away from the calling that God has put on his life as possible. Think about that. Jonah is running from God. And he gets on the ship and the ship embarks on its journey as it gets out into the water. The Bible tells us that God sends a storm. Listen to that again. God sent a storm. And it was the kind of storm that as we read, the textual evidence lets us know that it was the kind of storm that everybody on that boat knew this was from God. This is not a normal storm. This is not, this is odd. Because all of a sudden, I don't know if you've ever been around sailors a whole lot, but sailors got really into Jesus all of a sudden. All right? I mean, they're praying, asking Jonah to pray for them. And we find Jonah in verse 5 and 6. It says this, Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Wow. Jonah, as the sea began to rage as the storm began to billow itself against the ship. Jonah goes below deck and goes to sleep. There are a few things that I think that we can learn today from Jonah as he went to sleep. The first thing is that it's quite possible to be completely at peace and be wholeheartedly running from God. It is absolutely possible to be completely at peace and wholeheartedly running from God. Because that's where we find Jonah. In a deep sleep, running away from God's call on his life. And I know that that messes with some of you. I know that. Because the way that some of us have been taught is that, that if we have a peace about something, that that's definitely what we need to do. But you want to know something? This is the next thing in your notes. Peace is a good thing. The Bible tells us over and over and over again to seek peace. But often the most common reference in that is that it is talking about relational peace between our friends and our family. That we're supposed to desire peace. We're supposed to give grace, forgive freely, so that we can live at peace with one another. But here's the thing about peace is a good thing, but peace makes for a bad guide in life. Peace makes for a bad 
guide in life. And I am so tired of sitting down with people who are making catastrophic, failing decisions. I mean, blowing it. And hearing them say, I know, I know it's not right, but I have a peace about it. Jonah knew it wasn't right. And he had a peace about it too. See, peace is a very bad compass. And if you're willing to follow a compass that is always pointed at peace, you will literally run from God. Peace is a good thing, but it's a byproduct. It's actually a byproduct of a healthy relationship with God. That's number three. Peace is the consequence of hearing God's voice, trusting his direction, and choosing to follow him. That's where peace comes from. That's where it should come from. God, you told me to go there. I trust you. I'll go. I referenced this last week, but it just bears being repeated. As, as we were nearing the home stretch in preparations to move back to Albemarle and start Vortex, it sunk in on us that that meant that I was going to have to quit my job. We were going to have to move. Amanda had a great job. We were going to have to find her a different job. The, all of the things that we had worked to build in our lives were going to have to be left behind. Because peace and comfort was where we were. But God's calling was where we were going. And that wasn't going to stay the same. We had to step out of that. I want you to read this verse out of first, Second Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians three sixteen. Now may the Lord of peace, may the Lord of peace give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Who is God described as the Lord of peace? The Lord may the Lord of peace give you peace. There are all kind of names that we give Jesus: Savior. Messiah. But Lord means master. It means king. And when we look at Jesus and we say, you're my Lord, it means we're saying, God, come and do whatever you want to with me. My life is your life. Use it. And when we get to that place, that we trust God that much, he is Lord of peace. He will give us peace. But Jonah was experiencing a different kind of peace. He was in the peace of doing things his own way. Running away from the plan that God had given him. Repelling the call of God to embrace a life of simply running away from God. And God said, no. No, I won't let you go. It's good to know that even when we run from Him, He will chase us 
Because that's what he did with Jonah. You see, God pursues him in that storm. God sends a storm to consume that ship and the whole ship's crew becomes aware that this is God. And they play this game of kind of like spin the bottle. It's called casting lots. To try to determine, wait, God is mad at somebody on this ship. We're just going to spin the bottle and figure out who it is. I mean, it just sounds crazy, doesn't it? But that's what they did. They cast, the Bible tells us that they cast lots to determine. And the lot fell on Jonah. And the sailors struggled with it. Here's this man. He's the man that we think, the man of God, the prophet. What do we do with him? And they, and they wrestle with, with great intention. Eventually, Choosing to pick Jonah up in the middle of the storm and throw him over the deck into the sea. The first thing that I see there that's important for us to notice is that even while Jonah was running from God, we can see that Jesus wanted to give him a second chance. I mean, he has a calling that he's embraced and he has ran away from it. No, God, I won't take that. You take it back. I'm running from you. And God said, I'm not satisfied with you just running. I will chase you. And we see a second chance hidden in that. And the second thing that we see is that God pursues Jonah through a storm. Think about that. Because too many of us see a storm coming on the horizon of our lives and we say that can't be God. There's no way that's God. It's, it's too difficult. It's too uncomfortable. God's in the middle of that storm, just as he was with Jonah. You know, too often, I tell you this, we run from the things. Too often the things we run from are the things that God wants to use to bring us back to himself. That's what's happening right now. Jonah has ran from God, and God has sent a storm to bring him back. You know, when we look across the landscape of our lives, all of us do this. We will label things as a liability or an asset, just as if we were buying a piece of property and we were walking the property and we said, there's an old barn, it's going to fall down, it's dangerous for my kids, it's a liability, we're going to have to take it down. Oh, here's a, a nice little cottage, that is an asset to this property. Well, there, here is a, a problem with the drainage, we're going to have to fix that liability. And we look across our lives and we go, this relationship, liability. My coworker, my boss, Asset. That family member that's crazy. Liability, right? We know that. Right? 
And we do that. We, we look at, and you know what? I think that often we have mislabeled things that God has sent to bless us and teach us and grow us as liabilities. And we've ran from them, not really realizing that God was giving us an asset. The first storm that I think that we run from, the first storm that I think that pops up in all of our lives that we run from is a storm of conflict. It's the storm of conflict. And you know what? Every time we experience conflict, every single time, every single time, it is an opportunity for us to learn and grow. Every time. Every conflict that we experience, every single one, is an opportunity for us to learn and grow. Sometimes it's to learn about somebody. Maybe sometimes it's an opportunity for us to learn about ourselves. Maybe, perhaps, most of the time, it's an opportunity for us to grow in our relationship with God. Because I'll tell you this, you don't ever really understand the cross until you walk through forgiving someone. And every time you forgive someone who's wounded you, the great gift of forgiveness that God has given you becomes even more precious. The gift of conflict. I want you to look at this. Matthew 18, 15, as Jesus is directing us in how to deal with conflict, the Bible says this, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone, if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Jesus is carefully defining when we're offended, when there's a problem that arises, when the storm of conflict begins to billow in, when that happens, the direction we're supposed to run. And he says, run to the person that's offended you. Don't run away from them. Go to them personally and tell them, what they did wrong. And he says, if they'll listen to you, you've gained a brother. Because all too often, conflict is built on misconceptions. How many of y'all know that? Like, I didn't really say that, and you're mad at me for saying something I didn't really even say. And if we go to someone and talk to them, and have a conversation. We embrace the storm of conflict and say, just roll in, blow. I want to stand in the middle of it and let the rain pour over me. God can do something powerful in the middle of that because too many of us run from conflict and we miss what Jesus could be doing in our lives through it. The second storm that many of us run from is the storm of correction. The storm of correction. If I were to sit down with everyone, I would bet that all across the room, everyone would say that my reality right now is I know that God has called me to be someone that I'm not right now. There's, there's a version of myself that God has allowed me to see. It's way out ahead of where I am. I'm not there. And you know what it takes to get there? 
Not you. (laughs) Not you doing it by yourself. We need people that love us, care for us, who will look at us and say, no, that's not the way you need to do this. We need people who will correct us. And most of the time, when that happens in our lives, it is like a storm that we never expected. And it hurts. And we despise those moments. But if we're ever going to get to where God has called us to, not where we are, we're going to need people around us who are willing to do that for us. You see, One of the saddest moments in all of my ministry is when I've sat down with people who are struggling with major issues, addictions, behavior that's destroying their families. And you say these words, you need professional help with this. And they say, now I'm good, I just try harder. No. No. Doesn't work out. The reason that we need help is that we need correction. In Hebrews 12, the Bible tells us as that chapter begins to open that God disciplines us not because He hates us, but because He loves us. Just as we would discipline a kid that was running towards a hot stove, going to put his hand on, we will sacrifice their emotional well being to keep them safe. I don't care if my daughter cries. Because I yelled at her too harshly. Because it's important and I love her and I want to keep her. And that's how God loves us. God disciplines us because he loves us. Look at what the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 11. Read this with me. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Discipline isn't fun. I mean, having God peer into our lives and say, that's not good enough. The way that you're treating your wife, the way that you're being being a parent to your children, the way that you're behaving as an employee, that's not good enough right now. That's never fun. It's not pleasant at the time, but it does produce a crop, of har- a, a harvest of righteousness. We need to be aware of the fact that we need God to correct us. Because when those storms start to roll in, We don't need to run from them. We actually need to run to them. It's interesting to me that Jonah is not the only biblical figure to fall asleep in a boat in the middle of a storm. In Mark 4, Jesus falls asleep in a boat as well. He said to his disciples, let's cross the sea. Let's go to the other side. And in the middle of the journey, the Sea of Galilee is very well known for there's a really abrupt storm that comes up. And the disciples are caught within this storm. And Jesus is asleep in the boat. 
And the disciples do the exact same thing that the sailors did. They freaked out. But the disciples went to Jesus and woke him up. And after kind of telling them that they didn't have enough faith, because if he asked them to go to the other side and there was a storm that came up, he was still going to get them to the other side. Jesus stood up and rebuked the wind and the rain, and the storm subsided. You know, peace in your life is not ever going to be found through the absence of storms. Storms are coming. Peace is found because we know who we're in the storm with. See, real peace is found when we realize that the God of second chances is in the storm with us. We realize that the God of second chances is in the middle of the storm with us. That's where peace is found. Because as the sailors pitch Jonah over the side of the boats, The Bible tells us that God sent a great fish to swallow Jonah. That's like the kind of story that one of your crazy relatives tells you at Thanksgiving, right? Like, you've been reading the Drudge Report or something. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, really? But over, and and just go home and Google sailor uh, swallowed by fish, really, because it's happened, like, recently. And so... um, Jonah is swallowed by a fish. And in that moment, we see that God is giving Jonah a second chance because from the middle of his belly, Jonah chapter 2 is written. Jonah chapter 2 is the prayer that Jonah prays while he's inside of the fish. It's a prayer of repentance. God, I'm sorry. I've, I've blown it. I've messed it up. I've got it wrong. And Jonah is given a second chance as that fish vomits him and he washes up on the beach right outside of Nineveh where God called him. See, next week we're going to look at what God did in the city of Nineveh and how Jonah personally responds to it. But I want you to see That maybe today, you're like Jonah. And in your life, you've been running from God. You have been an outlaw. Running from the calling that God has put on your life. And I want you to know that when we stop and recognize that we've been running, and we look into the heart of God and say, God, I've been running. Come arrest me. He is faithful to ransom you and welcome you back into his arms with love. Let's pray. God, today, we just look to you. We thank you that you are a God of second chances, that you have over and over and over again invited us into a relationship with you. Even when we've blown it, even when we've ran away, even when we have put your relationship on the back burner of our lives, God, you keep it on the forefront of your mind. You are not running from us. But God, even as we've run from you, you're chasing after us. And so God, by your awesome 
mercy, we can stand. And so today, God, today we just want to thank you for that. And there's some of us today that are here, and God, we're right in the middle of some pretty big storms. And we need you. God, we need you in the middle of the storm. The storm is not likely to go away, but God, we are fine with being in the middle of the storm with you. So with nobody looking, everybody's head bowed, nobody moving or stirring, let me ask you a question. Have there been storms in your life right now that have been blowing in and you've looked at those storms and labeled them as a liability and God's giving them to you as a blessing? Are there things that are going on in your heart right now that you've ran from that you need to run to? Maybe ultimately God himself. If you're here today and you recognize I need a second chance. I'm a lot like Jonah. I've ran away from God. I've ran away from what he's asked from me. I've ran away from the kind of person I know he's called me to be. I need Jesus to be in the middle of this storm. All you have to do is do what the disciples did. It's just turn to Jesus. All you have to do is to put your faith and your hope and your trust in Him. And He still has the power to stand in the middle of all of our storms and to command the wind and the rain to stop. Or He'll let that storm blow as it blesses you and changes you. So if that's you and you've been running away and you know today you need a second chance, would you take a moment right now and just raise your hand? That's you. That's awesome. Maybe today you're here and you would say, you know what? I've been looking at storms all wrong. And there are things in my life I've been running from that I need to run to. If that's you and you're here today and you say, I just need to, I need to be running to God. Would you raise your hand right now? Awesome. Awesome. So God, for those of us that are here today that have made that decision, who have chosen to put our faith and our trust in you, God, who have said that even in the midst of the storm, God, we're going to look to you because peace isn't found in the absence of storms, peace is simply found by knowing the God of second chances is in the boat with us in the middle of the storm. So God, we're going to trust you in the middle of these storms. We're going to ask you to come and free us and change us for your glory. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.